Caitlin. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. So first off, can you introduce yourself, where you're from, what you're interested in, and anything else you would like to share about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Caitlin Stanton. I am from New York City. Um, I am currently a senior at Cornell studying electrical and computer engineering, um, and I'll be pursuing a master's degree next year in the same subject. Um, And some things I'm really passionate about, um, in addition to engineering, are the diversity in tech movement as well as the equality of education movement Mm -hmm. so let's rewind what were you like as a child well uh so as a kid i'd say i was i was pretty studious i was always really focused on academics um my parents were really um they always wanted to make sure i had the best education so they'd put me in um like gifted and talented programs and like stem focused schools uh throughout new york Uh, which was awesome, and uh, I just kind of always kept my head down and did my work um, and tried to make sure that I was, like, making the most of every opportunity I had, whether it was just, like, school classes in general or, um, like, extracurricular activities from sports to, like, more engineering-focused things when I got older. Mm -hmm. So do you have parents or people in your life that push you to try coding? What really sparked your interest in tech and coding? Yeah, uh, so it's actually pretty ironic that uh, my parents did really push me to start coding, um, but they're not technical themselves. Uh, So my parents are uh, both uh, public servants for the city of New York. Uh, So my mom's a teacher, my dad is a pension analyst. So they both kind of don't know what how to deal with technology Um, but when they saw that I was interested in engineering I was specifically interested in mechanical engineering at the time Um, they I think read an article or something saying that coding was the next big thing it was the next big skill to have Um, and obviously they wanted the best for um, me and so they were like hey you should probably get on this coding business Um, and so they happened to stumble across an advertisement for Girls Who Code uh, back in 2014. So it wasn't that big. It was just like a local advertisement in, I think, our neighborhood paper. Um, so they saw it, and they saw the word code, and they were like, oh, perfect. This is the exact opportunity for Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not hype about it at all. I did not want to code. I had tried computer science uh, in high school because I had to take an intro to CS course and didn't really like how structured it was and how I didn't really understand how these skills would be applied in the real world. Um, So I kind of applied begrudgingly to Girls Who Code, uh, which is very ironic given that I'm completely immersed in tech now and I'm very passionate about the subject. Um, So yeah, that's how I got my start in tech. It was pretty random and kind of forced by my parents, Uh, but it Mm -hmm. ended up working out pretty well, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So since you've completed high school and basically college, what is one piece of advice you'd give to a student on how to balance a million different things? Yeah, uh, definitely prioritize, I'd say. So in freshman to early sophomore year I had of college, I had a problem with always saying yes, um, because you can always learn something from every opportunity, whether it's joining a new club or writing an extra essay or something. Um, So I found myself constantly saying yes to joining different clubs, to 
um, increasing my leadership um, opportunities within these organizations. So I was just constantly loading myself with more work. And I was excited about everything I was doing, but it was still, you only have maybe uh, like 12 to 16 waking hours of the day. Like there's only so much you can do, especially on top of school. Um, so something that I had to figure out was what actually worked for me. What was I waking up every day and excited to do? What did I want to learn and gain more experience in for the future? And that helped me narrow down uh, the extracurriculars I was a part of. So I realized that my main focus was tech, was diversity. Um, and so I cut down, I think, five different clubs that I was a part of uh, down to two. And so those two clubs, I was able to put 110% of myself in. I was able to have uh, higher leadership roles in um, and make more of an impact within them just because I was able to focus all my energy to them. And even though I am sad that I had to drop some things along the way, I think it worked out for the better. So I'd say, like, don't stretch yourself too thin. Don't say yes to every single opportunity that comes your way because there will come a point where you're too overloaded to really dive in as far as you want to. Instead, try to be a little bit more sparing with how you choose what to put your time and attention towards because at the end of the day, you need to make sure that whatever you're spending your time doing is something that benefits you and makes you happy and feel fulfilled at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because I feel like, especially during these times when we have so much more time, we like, for example, for me, I said yes to everything and now mm -hmm. I'm part of like a bunch of different things and now I have to start saying no. And it's, it's hard for sure. It is really hard. Because I think some people, I mean, some people like to join a bunch of different things just to see what they like and don't like, but then eventually you have to narrow down to a couple things that you're really passionate about. Yeah. Um, so is there anything you regret you did or did not do during high school or college? Um, I'd say in high school, uh, I didn't put myself out there as much as I could have. Uh, so I like to say that college was my like a full awakening as a person because I feel like looking back into high school, I was just um, I was known as the hackathon girl. And that was only after Girls Who Code. Um, before then, I was just the person who uh, was very studious, who went home immediately after school to do homework and watch Judge Judy. Like, I really didn't do much. Um, and then as soon as I got into tech, like, that was all my identity was, was tech. So I feel like I, in high school, didn't have a real balance in making sure that I was known as a person and putting myself out there for different opportunities, whether they were involved in tech or not. Um, and then when it came to college, uh, especially when I was an underclassman, um, I don't want to say I focused too much on academics because you can never focus too much on academics, but um, there came a time where it really overwhelmed uh, my entire lifestyle. Uh, so in college, when you're a sophomore especially, you start diving deeper into your major, so learning more about um, the different paths you can take. So within electrical and computer engineering, we had to take digital logic courses, circuits courses, signals analysis. Um, and so I was taking these all my sophomore year. 
Uh, I ended up taking five technical courses in one semester, which was a terrible decision. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was so bad. Looking back on it, I was just like, why were you so stupid? Um, and, like, I kind of went into that semester being like, oh, I know everything. Like, this will be fine. This is just review for me because I'm learning calc and physics again. And then halfway during the semester, I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to bed at 3 a.m. every night. Um, and that, like, sophomore fall semester was literally the worst experience because not only was I spending... I'd say like 90% of my time uh, doing work uh, and the other 10% like eating. Um, I didn't see my friends. Like the only people I saw were the people who I took classes with. I didn't hang out with my freshman year friends as much as I wanted to. Um, and it, it made me feel sad because even though I was learning a lot about my major and having a really great time tackling labs and different projects and stuff, um, for me, college is an atmosphere, right? You want to make sure that you are making the most of academics, but then also the social aspect. Um, and I was missing out greatly on that social aspect of connecting with people that I had made really strong friendships with the previous year. Um, so that's something I regret was delving too hard into my studies and kind of losing sight of the people around me who I really cared about. Um, and I made sure to remedy that my uh, sophomore spring and make more of a balance between my free time and uh, my extracurriculars and my studies. Um, but that was that semester was definitely a wake up call um, mm -hmm. about making sure that I turned my uh, college life around to some extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's super important to have a balance. Yeah. So why did you choose Cornell? Yeah, um, I chose Cornell for um, actually a couple of reasons. So. I'm from New York City, um, and as the oldest child, my parents did not want me to go very far for college. Um, their boundary was anything east of the Mississippi River was good, anything west was a no-go. Um, and so I really wanted to be somewhere that was close to my home, but not somewhere that my parents could uh, walk to. Uh, so like Columbia was out of the option, like NYU was out of the option. like. I wanted to make sure that I was becoming an independent person just because I had lived in New York City my entire life, had never experienced anything um, for longer than like a week that wasn't New York. Um, and so Ithaca was perfect just because it is close enough to my house, um, but it requires a little bit more planning for my parents and family to come visit me. So there's a little bit like a, a, of a distance, which is nice. Um, but then besides like the logistical aspect of where Cornell is, um, the main two things that brought me in were the strength of the engineering program and then the diversity of Cornell. Um, so the strength of the engineering program is it's very hands-on. It's very application-based. You work with a lot of different people. Um, I like to say that almost none of your work can be done by yourself. Uh, you always have problem sets that are way too hard for one person or uh, team projects or pair projects. Um, so you're always working with new people, which I think is really interesting given that most engineers are stereotyped as being very uh, solitary. Uh, so I really liked how we had that like real world training of working with different people who have different workflows. Um, and it made me a lot closer to my, um, my fellow students. Um, but then the other thing that really drew me in, and this is what I noticed when I was visiting after being um, admitted, was... Uh, just how welcoming everybody is. And despite coming from so many different backgrounds, so many different places, studying so many different majors, 
everybody that I talk to is happy to be there to some extent, no matter how stressful things get or how frustrating um, things get. People who go to Cornell are really passionate about going to Cornell. Um, and they're also passionate about helping people. Like I've never asked a friend um, or even just an acquaintance for help and they've turned me down. Um, I've always had a, like a really good support system. And I think especially in engineering, which is, um, and especially as a woman in engineering, it's a very, um, it can be a very alienating experience, but um, having those kinds of people around you is super helpful. Um, and I think has made me a stronger person and then also given me amazing friends and partners um, who I'll definitely rely on for years to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you ever feel like you're missing out because you don't go to school, you know, by the Silicon Valley or by a huge CS hotspot? Honestly, no. Um, so I think, uh, I appreciate being around people who do different things. Um, so like if I worked or if I went to school in the Silicon Valley or, um, worked there, Something that I've heard um, is that almost everybody there is involved in tech, which is awesome, right? Because there's so many different companies and right, they can focus on so many different aspects of technology. But to some extent, there's something valuable about working near people who aren't studying something similar to what you're studying or working in a field similar to the field that you're working in. And so by going to school in Ithaca, um, which is actually a pretty, like a bubble in terms of the rest of the world, because uh, Ithaca is kind of in the middle of nowhere in New York, um, I get to really bond with the community that I have here and then also reach out to people who might not be in my major, who might not be in my school, um, who have different interests than me. And I think that's really awesome because um, that's like one of Cornell's biggest tenets is any person, any study. They want to make sure that people are well-rounded and um, come in learning more outside their major than they anticipated. And I think that makes you not only a stronger person and more aware of uh, the different uh, aspects of society and career fields and stuff like that, it also strengthens your learning in your actual major because then you can see how things fit into each other, how tech, for example, can be applied to anything from English to communications to psychology to, um, to like animal sciences. like. It's, it's really awesome because then you kind of see the intersectionality of all the different academic fields in one place. Mm. Yeah, that's great. So why do you think Cornell chose you? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I don't, I, hmm, that's actually a really good question. I've never thought about that. Um, I like to say that my grades and like SAT scores got me in the door, right? Because you have to have some level of academic success uh, or quote unquote academic success. But I think mm -hmm. the thing that really helped me stand out was um, just my passion for people, I think. So like, for example, I think on my Common Act essay, I think I wrote this, yeah. I wrote about um, hackathons because I founded a hackathon organization back when I was a high school senior and the focus of it was to support high school students who had never coded before um, because I had walked into a hackathon as a high school junior and felt super intimidated by the college students that were there and I never wanted to have another person feel that way um, and I think 
Cornell probably saw that as something that I found an issue with, I wanted to have a solution for, and then followed through and continued to follow through with it. And I actually ran, helped run that organization until uh, my freshman year of college. Um, and so I think like the main thing that probably helped me stand out was the fact that I identified a problem that I had that affected people outside of just me and my friends um, and kind of ran with it because uh, it was awesome to have that hackathon experience and help those people. Um, because I think what Cornell and other schools want to see is just someone who has passion, has drive to do something other than just get straight A's. Because um, there's only so much that um, studying can help you. Um, it's about being a leader. It's about being an innovator. It's about um, identifying problems in your community and trying to solve them. It's about identifying problems with the people that you know and trying to be the best um, friend and family member that you can. Um, and I think if you outline that and show that and prove that in your essays and your resume and your like extracurricular experiences, then any school, including Cornell, would be more than happy to have you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how are you adjusting? How has it been, you know, adjusting to online classes and learning? So it's been uh, interesting, I'd say. <laughs> so uh, I think the biggest and hardest thing to adjust to is just losing senior spring um because yes it's frivolous to want um like a senior weekend and graduation photos and yearbooks and stuff like that um it's something that hundreds of senior classes have had before me um and having that kind of ripped away from you when um especially for me I was having an amazing semester I was taking classes that I loved and spending more time with my friends and just having that those bittersweet moments of leaving campus being rushed to two weeks or two months before they were actually supposed to come uh really sucked to put it quite honestly um because even though I am coming back to Cornell for an extra year I don't have the benefit of walking um across the graduation stage with my friends that I've spent four years um, bonding with, uh, which I think, it, and like for high school seniors as well, it's just really heartbreaking. Um, but then in terms of like online classes, like the educational experience, it's honestly not been that bad. Uh, most of my professors, if not all, have been extremely understanding. They've been transparent with um, the their day-to-day -day routine, how they're changing the grading syllabus, how they're trying to accommodate students in different time zones when scheduling office hours or lectures. Um, I have a few professors who have um, been extremely understanding and will literally respond to my questions at like 1030 at night, which is ridiculous. That's super helpful, but wow, that's like amazing. Like that's not something I would have yeah. expected. Um, and I think I'm very lucky to be in a place where um, I have professors who would do that um, because they do really want to see their students not only succeed in the classes, but that they also want to see them learn the material. They don't want uh, coronavirus to stop us from learning. Um, and yeah, and being that it was the end of the semester and kind of more towards final project season, it made it a little bit easier because lectures were not as much of the focus. It's more about working with your team members and um, 
having results and hitting your milestones and working with people across different time zones and across different state lines is somewhat hard but I think the hardest thing about working on final projects is that we've had to change so much so like a lot of my projects were hardware based and now we have to make them into software solutions or simulations Um, so the things that I was excited about working on have definitely shifted a little bit Um, Mm -hmm. yeah so I'd say like overall there's like good aspects of online learning there's bad aspects of online learning it's kind of just like a mixed bag um, that I think all of us have been given in this time yeah I definitely agree so how do you deal with the imposter syndrome and and any strategies on how to cope with it yeah so um in terms of like internally me feeling imposter syndrome um I try to convince myself and like repeat to myself that everybody feels like an imposter to some extent um just because um there are people who get jobs that they don't think they deserve or take classes that they don't think that they should be taking Um, But at the end of the day, if you got that opportunity or if you were able to enroll in that class or if you're however you've gotten to where you're standing right now, um, obviously you're qualified. Right. Um, So that's something that I try to reassure myself is that um, there someone chose you or someone let you get into that position. So you have to be qualified in some way. Right. Um, And then in terms of just like the people around me. Uh, a way that I've tried to like dampen down my imposter syndrome is recognizing that yes I'm not going to be perfect and I'm not going to have all the answers but literally no one else does Um, there's always going to be someone in the room that's smarter than you in some field or in some capacity but then there's going to be some field in some capacity where you're the smartest person in the room Um, so it's just trying to figure out what your strengths are um, and helping other people work on those. Um, and then in terms of like noticing your weaknesses, so like different academic things that you maybe aren't as um, fluent in or uh, different aspects of tech or any other field that you don't feel as comfortable working in, um, working with other people in your network to work on those weaknesses um, and um, eventually make them your strengths. Um, because I think something that's really important to understand is that you're constantly learning Um, even people who are considered to be extremely successful and have all the answers are always learning. Um, and I think once that's something that you can kind of ingrain in your mind and change about your mindset, uh, imposter syndrome doesn't go away, but becomes a more natural and kind of accepted, um, frame of mind, I guess is a way to think about it. Cause it's like, yes, you might feel like you're an imposter, but everybody also feels like they're an imposter. Um, but everybody's feeling of being an imposter uh, is completely unfounded uh, because we all are growing constantly, no matter what stage of life we are. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. So what are some challenges you face being a woman in tech? Yeah, I've been very lucky to not have any blatant discrimination towards me. Um, I've had family and friends who are very supportive about me being in technology Um, which is amazing. I'm very lucky to have that. Um, I think the thing that I've experienced the most is just um, microaggressions. So small, subtle, unconscious biases that people have um, in the way that they act, in the way that they say things um, that they don't understand or being a little bit offensive, but they are. Um, So I've had friends who have maybe 
reached out to their male friends rather than me for homework help, for example, or there'll just be some um, phrases that some of my male friends will use um, that are a little bit derogatory towards women or something like that. Um, And as I've gotten older, I've tried to not let that get to me as much and instead tried to turn it around and make it more of a learning opportunity for them to explain why they shouldn't uh, think that that's a normal thing to say or should maybe think about their actions a little bit more before they actually perform it. Um, So yeah, it's more about like just the unconscious biases that people have towards women in tech and how it's hard to be uh, like a strong woman uh, while also trying to be uh, like a a friendly face that kind of um, double bind about being too bossy or being too emotional um, perceived by different people is really hard to deal with and so by identifying unconscious biases and making sure that people are more aware of what they're doing I think it's like a way to kind of like sidestep that and that's been something I've been working on and like the people around me have been working on as well to make sure that no other woman in tech or no underrepresented minority in technology or any field um, feels like they shouldn't be in the place that they're in or feels like they can't um, advance to the next step or um, grow in some way within technology or whatever other field. Mm-hmm. So how do you use your blog and Instagram to be authentic about what it's like being a woman in technology? Yeah, so I'd say a lot of social media nowadays uh, is very, not fake, but tuned in some way, right? You're supposed to see um, the perfect um, job results or in terms of just Instagram in general, you're supposed to see the perfect body and perfect faces and stuff like that. Um, what I try to do is kind of write from the heart, write about my experiences and what I actually thought about them. Um, so for example, one of my hardest posts to write, um, but one of the most satisfying and cathartic ones, uh, was about how I was a Microsoft intern who didn't get an intern offer, uh, or a return offer back. Um, and how that's a hard pill to swallow, but at the end of the day, I know my worth and I know that I had an amazing time at my internship. Um, and I'd say, especially in like the tech Instagram or tech, uh, blog circle, a lot of people don't really talk about that. You see all these LinkedIn bro posts, quote unquote, about, oh, like I got into this, um, programmer. Oh, thank you to my recruiter for helping me with this internship offer and stuff like that. But you very rarely see, oh, I failed and like, that's fine. Or, um, any like genuine post about failure is very hard to come by. And so I try to make sure that whenever I do have a great experience with an internship or a class or a research opportunity or something, I write about it and am as honest as I can. But then on the flip side, I also make sure to take those um, moments of sadness or moments of frustration and heartbreak um, and also write about those and be as honest as I can and let my readers know that it's something that happens to everybody but at the end of the day it's actually a stepping stone for you to grow career-wise personally um, and just it's your mistakes are and not just, they're not hindrances, they're more of ways for you to just grow and learn and be better in the long run, which I think is really awesome. Mm-hmm. 
What is some advice you give to a girl who may feel alone in tech or may be one of the few girls in her CS or STEM classes? I'd say try to find your people, right? Um, So something that I was very lucky to have when I came to Cornell was Women in Computing at Cornell, so an organization um, dedicated for women in computing. So I'd say if there was a girl on campus who, or an underrepresented minority in general on campus who didn't really see any familiar faces around them, um, it's an opportunity for them to make their own community. So they can make their own um, study group with people who look and come from the same backgrounds as them. Or they can make their own on-campus organization. And as you have those more public um, forums start to arise for people who do feel marginalized, who do feel um, like they're watching from the bleachers, you eventually start to gain in strength. So these, like WIC, for example, when it started six, seven years ago, it was a very small club. Uh, We didn't have any on-campus recognition. We didn't really have that many members. Uh, But now, so much time later, because we've shown people that it's a community that they can turn to for advice and help and just, and friendship and encouragement, um, it's grown to over 3,000 people, um, both women and men. Um, And I think that's something that's really powerful. So I'd say if you are one of the only familiar faces in your class uh, or one of the only people who, there's not that many people who you can identify with in your major, it's an opportunity for you to build that community for yourself. Um, And it's also an opportunity for people to act as allies and support those people who maybe feel like they're on the outside uh, and bring them in and make them feel comfortable and make them feel wanted and included um, because it's not only important for people to build communities for themselves but it's also almost as important if not more important for the people who do have positions of power and privilege um, to stand up for those other people who might not feel as included and make sure that they have the resources that they need to do the best that they can in the best circumstances that they can. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. So are there any upcoming projects that you're excited about or plans for the future? Yeah. Uh, So this coming summer, I will be interning uh, virtually, of course, um, at Lyft Level 5 as part of their autonomous vehicles department. So I'm extremely excited about that because it's my first hardware engineering internship um, and I'll be working on autonomous vehicles, which is uh, a breakthrough in tech and a really new field. Um, So I think I'm going to learn a lot um, by being an intern. And I don't know, I'm also really excited about my master's degree. I'm going to focus in robotics and embedded systems. um, So I'm hopefully going to work more on my hardware engineering skills and Uh, making sure that not only am I up to snuff in terms of coding robots, but I also feel just as comfortable building them and soldering them and making the mechanical parts for them, uh, which is almost more important uh, than the actual software. Uh, So those are my two biggest things that I'm looking forward to in the future, just both kind of 
helping me improve my technical skills as well as my um, professional and networking skills, especially with the virtual internship. Since I won't be working side by side with people physically, I'll have to do that much more in order to connect with my colleagues and connect with my fellow interns, um, which I think will be a really good learning experience um, and a really good skill to work on for the future if I ever decide to make working from home um, a part of my daily life. Mm-hmm. So a couple of days ago, I asked our listeners if they had any questions for you via our Instagram story. So here are a few questions. Mm. Someone asked, what was your experience like giving a TEDx talk last year at Monta Vista High School? Uh, it was absolutely incredible, but also extremely terrifying. Um, I did not expect to be asked to give a TEDx talk. Um, so when I got the invitation, I, uh, I didn't think it was fake, but <laughs> I thought it was misplaced to some extent. Um, but I was really excited. I um, flew out there. I gave the TED talk and left the next, that same day. Uh, so it was a whirlwind, literally. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity. I got to speak about being a woman in tech and what I've learned as a woman in tech um, to a group of high school students. So the same people that I want to try to help because that's kind of the tipping point for where people really want to join tech or really don't want to join tech. Um, and I remember standing up on that stage. I gave my presentation well. I stumbled a couple times but caught myself. Um, and when I got down from the stage, I'd been holding the, uh, the microphone so tightly that my hand was cramping for 10 minutes afterwards. Um, oh my gosh. It was terrible. Yeah, I, was, I remember sitting in my seat and I was like, why is my hand hurting? And then I uncurled it and I was like, oh my God, because I was literally <laughs> strangling this microphone. Um, so I guess that kind of really uh, exhibits how I felt on that stage. I felt in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm doing great. This is awesome. I'm hitting all my cues. I'm saying what I want to say. And then physically in my hand, I was just like, oh my God, this is the most uh, stressful moment I've ever had. Um, and it was awesome because I really want to get into public speaking. And so this was a very public place to be speaking. Um, so it was, it was a growing experience for sure. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I can't wait to hopefully do more. Mm -hmm. So how did being in women in computing at Cornell shape your college experience? Yeah, it was the first organization I joined at Cornell. And um, especially freshman year, I was not really friends with that many females in engineering. Um, I Most of the people on my floor were the people I hung out with. And if they were in engineering, they were predominantly male. Um, so having women in computing at Cornell was awesome because I was able to find my community on campus. I was able to find fellow women who were interested in CS, who wanted to learn more about the industry, um, but also had their ups and downs with the tech field. Um, and I was able to gain some of my first friends in CS from WIC, um, as well as my, some of my first leadership opportunities on campus, um, which has definitely contributed a lot to my Cornell career, and I can't be more grateful um, for how they welcomed me in and then how they have facilitated me to help impact the CS community at Cornell itself. Mm -hmm. So someone asked, how do you overcome the fear of, appe of appearing self-absorbent instead of feeling confident? Yeah, I mean, I think the people who think you're self-absorbed are the people who don't 
feel that confident themselves. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with walking into the world and being like, I'm really great at this, or I really crushed it at this. Um, because it's true. You probably did crush it at that. You probably did do really great at whatever. Um, and so I'd say that if people think that you're self-absorbed, um, then you first take a look at yourself and the way that you've been acting. Have you been rubbing your successes in other people's faces? Um, or have you been holding yourself, um, with like a really self-obsessed air? If you have, then that's probably something that you need to work on. Um, it's not you being too confident. It's you being too stuck up. Um, but if you haven't been doing that, if you've been, um, celebrating your achievements, but then also helping people at the same time, trying to, uh, like achieve themselves or grow as people, um, then I'd say if that person still thinks that you're self-obsessed, uh, then they're not a person that you really need to care about, I guess. Like, um, your true friends will, um, be there for you no matter what, and will be honest with you when they think that you're doing something wrong. And if this person is criticizing you for no reason, um, then it's not something for you to worry about. Uh, it's not something for you to take into account. Their opinion essentially doesn't matter to some extent because they're not a person who, uh, cares about you enough to make, um, an opinion and base, uh, based on evidence that you've been, um, acting or behaving in a self-obsessed way. Um, and so making sure to kind of cut those toxic people out of your life is like a really big thing and something that I've been trying to do recently, just to make sure that whenever you are confident, um, you're confident in a meaningful way, um, and aren't getting hampered down by negative people. Mm Mm-hmm. Last question, how can people contact you and what are your social media handles? Yeah, so uh, they can find me everywhere at Coder Caitlin. Uh, I loved that handle back in high school and I have not changed it since. Um, my blog is at CoderCaitlin.io um, and you can also find my email on my blog if you want to reach out and talk to me uh, more one-on-one. I love meeting people, especially fellow women in tech. Um, so I'd love to answer anybody's questions or just, uh, follow people on social media. I think that'd be really awesome. Awesome. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed, feel free to leave us a review on Apple podcasts that really helps us grow. And if you would like, follow us on Instagram at shechatpodcast. There you can submit questions to ask our upcoming guests and just overall just stay updated. I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.